Welcome back to the uh, Sports Booth Podcast. We are back at podcast number 12, and it's a yep. big week, Husey. Well, 12 is no coincidence, <laughs> some might say. It is a week for 12s, or a day for 12s, really, for today. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have, obviously, Super Rugby on the cards, NRL first round completed, our good, bad, and ugly from that. Uh, Six Nations overnight, or two nights ago, and mm. NFL off-season, which is... The reference that Husey was making to the big number 12, Tom Brady announcing, denouncing, probably announcing, yeah. probably not announcing, never Renouncing. announcing. All <laughs> sorts of announcing. <laughs> that he is returning. Yeah. But we will start off with Super Rugby. Round four of Super Rugby Pacific uh, was it was kicked off with the uh, Blues beating the Highlanders in, in a match affected mm-hmm. by COVID, probably our first match affected by COVID with yeah. players getting ruled out the number one Suspect there was Bowden Barrett missing the game just before kickoff ruled out. Mm. Uh, so very interesting there. Blues go on to win 32-20 in, in quite a convincing second half. Down 3-13 at the half. And I think uh, I touched base in on my, my weekly previews. But it yep. was a disruptive disruptive beginning. Led to a disruptive first half. Led to a classy Blues finish. Yeah, just had to get their rhythm right with the new pieces. Probably. Definitely. And uh, yeah, look, we've seen games postponed because of covid but you're right, this is the first one where we've seen the game still go ahead, but players sort of unavailable because of COVID. Um, and yeah, I guess it's really the Highlanders are having a really rough opening to the season, but they're playing in the toughest conference. So but, you know, there's no no shame in admitting that. It's, it's a super tough competition. So yeah, look, it's an unfortunate start for them, but clearly, and we said this in our opening, our preseason preview, that the Highlanders would probably be the weakest team in the New Zealand Conference, apart from uh, Moana Pacifica. So, yeah, look, it's sort of not unexpected, but at the same time, um, I think they would be disappointed that given the disruptions to the Blue Squad, they weren't able to pull out a win. And I think, yes, I think I 100% agree with Olivia Husey there, but I think a, a big player for them is Thomas Umanga Jensen. Uh, and uh, if you haven't watched the Highlanders recently, his, his last two games pre this one were fantastic. And there's no coincidence they're up 13-3 when he left the field after 33 minutes to go on to lose 32-20 because their, yeah. their shape just fall, falls apart without him. Now, I did I did get a message in our Instagram, a, a DM, to say when I released my power rankings and put them ninth, that they'd still whoop every single Australian team. And, and I don't disagree with that yet, but I'm taking it game by game that yeah. they haven't been up to, up to scratch. To say that they'll beat every Australian team, that could be a possibility still. But I think we, we've got a couple of Australian teams now that, yeah. that are, are threatening. And I think it's a good to lead into our next game, the Brumbies versus the Rebels. I actually think the Brumbies are overtaking the Reds for the best Australian team. I I, I see what you're saying, and I've, yeah. I've done it on the power rankings. They're, they're on fifth and, and Reds six. I wasn't impressed again from the Brumbies again in that game. I've... I, 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 I think they're, they're sitting at like a six and a half, six out of ten kind of level at the moment. Yeah. Where I watch that game and I go, the Brumbies are going to run run riot. And there, there's moments there where they're so fantastic. And then there's moments where I'm like, this. There's moments they look like the Crusaders. And then there's moments they yeah. look like the Rebels. And I'm like, that the Rebels should never score 17 points against mm-hmm. this Brumbies squad. So I, I see what you mean. And this, this clash this weekend with the Reds versus the Brumbies is going to answer a lot of our questions about this Australian Conference, yeah. I think. I think the Brumbies sort of they they seem to like hold on a bit and wait for a break from their uh, back two, you know, uh, especially from Tom Banks, who yeah. seems to be producing a magical moment every every game this season. But yeah, it's sort of like 
um, they're a bit lackadaisical. They're a bit sort of like we, we can afford to, you know, go a bit easy here um, because we know we can sort of come back later. So, yeah, it'll be interesting against an opponent like the Reds, who they know um, in the Australian conference is probably the closest they're going to get to the skill level of a New Zealand team where they've got to be switched on the entire game, how they, how they perform. Um, and, yeah, look, I, I think uh, going back a week to the Waratahs versus the Brumbies um, is a bit like that as well where the Waratahs were in it for a bit until the Brumbies sort of were able to, uh, to put it away a bit. They made some rotational adjustments in it and it worked out well there. So, yeah, look, I don't – I guess it's sort of like even though saying the Brumbies are better than the Reds at the moment, that f- for me is probably – more about um, the Reds than it is the, than it is the Brumbies because, uh, and we'll get onto it when we uh, look at their game. But there's been some, there's been some slips from the Brumbies. There's been some absolute stumbles from the Reds. Definitely, yes. So we'll jump onto the next game so we can get onto that Reds game, yep. which is the Crusaders versus Chiefs, which I said uh, in in the preview video that's just gone out that a review video that that was probably the highest quality game we've had all season. Now, yep. I did say I go looking at watching that game. I was like. Is this a chink in, in, in Crusaders' armour? Like they, they don't lose games like that. Yep. They do not lose games like that. But upon reflection, I have noted that they, the Crusaders, made a total of 215 tackles, 222 Jeez. tackles out of 240, compared to the Chiefs who made like 90 out of 117. So I go, actually, to, to only have conceded 10 points for 76 minutes yeah. is actually a defensive masterclass. Like... That wasn't that wasn't the Crusaders losing the game. That was the Chiefs just running them down and battering them until they couldn't hold on anymore. And yep. I go, okay, so that's not a. If the Crusaders play, you know, ten percent better and actually have a bit more possession, a bit more territory, they win that game. Like, yeah. Like they if they if they can do that. So I'm like, maybe not a chink in the armor, but this this but is the a strategy. This is the only way I see you you can beat the Crusaders is you hold on to the ball for enough time that the Crusaders have to make two hundred plus tackles, which is yeah. a rarity in this day and age. And it's it's similar strategy, you know, going to sort of an NFL analogy for for those that follow is you know you're keeping your opponent off the field, and in, in this case, you're keeping your opponent off the ball. You're not allowing them to to do anything offensively. And uh, you know, rug in, in rugby, there's also the the double edged sword that. Unlike NFL, you don't just attack, you also defend. So if you're defending constantly, your attacking ability is going to be blunted because you're so worn out from defending so consistently. But yeah, look, keeping the balls, keeping the balls, keeping the ball and keeping your balls out of the hands <laughs> of the Crusaders is, as, as you say, it's the, it's the way to beat them because, yeah, when they've got ball in hand, they're so dangerous. It, it, you know, the fact that there's only a three-point differential in the game as well given the weight of possession, I think, is a huge mark for uh, a huge uh, like sign of how good the Crusaders are. Definitely. And again, I think I think I was like, oh, yes, we're going to see a Crusaders, te- Crusaders team finally lose maybe a couple. I go, yep. after looking at that, I said, there's still a, a, an impossible team to beat. The Chiefs mm. just did, played the perfect game. So congrats to all those Chiefs fans out there. Um, the, you're now on the top of my power rankings, even though I ranked you fifth uh, coming out of the season. Uh, but I think... This is what I've always said about the Chiefs, the team, yeah. the team that could easily ba- prove me wrong. I was about to say that. I was about to give you the out, but you've given it to yourself. Yeah, you, <laughs> so you noted in those power rankings that this is the team that you think has got the sort of 
um, highest ceiling based on where they were ranked in our preseason rankings. Definitely. So, yeah, saying that, saying how quality of a game that was, we'll move on to probably the spectacle of the round. Yeah. So we'll say that if that was the highest quality game, the spectacle of the round coming with the Reds versus the Dura. Look, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of the game, <laughs> and I just get a message sort of 65 minutes in from Luke here, and it's just like, what is going on? And I was like... <laughs> I mean, I'm just chilling on the couch. And I was like, oh, the, the drawer are playing. And I turned it over. I'm like, they're winning. <laughs> What's going on here? This is great. And then, of course, as soon as I started watching the Reds score and put themselves ahead, um, yeah, it was tied. And then the Reds put themselves ahead um, on a really good goal. Uh, and a really good try, I should say. Uh, look, I think this is sort of what we said about Fiji, that it's going to take them a little bit to start getting used to the waters of Super Rugby. But they're, if this is any indication, they're really adapting a lot faster than probably I expected. But at the same time, look, the Reds are supposed to be the uh, cream of the Aussie competition and this game should never have been this close. Yeah. I mean, I watched it and at 28 to 9, the Reds are comfortable. The Reds yeah. are looking good. They've just, their hookers just scored about a 25-odd metre try where we sold a dummy, just about tripped over, did a pirouette and scored a try. It was, it was fantastic. You're going, oh, the Reds are in control of this game. O'Connor comes off. Couple other key playmakers come off. One drop ball, <laughs> one drop ball. So I think it was yeah. They that the, the Fijians managed to score a try twenty eight fourteen. A drop ball then turns into a hundred meter sprint for a yeah. for a big lock, and then another break, and all of a sudden it's twenty eight all, and you just go, what just happened? That in the space of ten minutes, the the Dura can turn it around, and I love it was it was the fact that especially to me it was the Australian commentator, and, I, and I'd love to know which one it was, but you all sound the same to me. So it was like he goes. This Fijian team will stay in the competition for, you know, 60, 65 minutes. They'll push teams, but then teams will start to break away. Because at 65 minutes, yeah. that was where we were at. It was about to be a Reds domination. And just for the Fijian Dura to go bomb, and that's what I, I, I've constantly said. If, if things stick for the Dura, they will score 60, 70 metre tries. They probably had a couple of other opportunities earlier in the game to do it and didn't quite succeed. I think it's, it's a massive credit to, to Mick Byrne and the coaching staff to getting yep. down there. We said it, especially early on, that... It was good that the Waratahs were playing them first up because they're yep. going to take a couple of games. I think they've finally found their feet. That that style, it's 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 the one percenters that's going to take them to the next level, and this is exactly why they're in this competition. Absolutely, that last line out if that goes in and they beat yeah. the Reds, storyline of the so round. Close. Yeah, so I think they're they're just about there. And I, I I said this again in my um review of the, of this week. This shouldn't be a surprise to many Australian teams and players and people who are involved mm. because. The Fiji Endura that came into the NRC, which is like the NPC for, for Super Rugby, uh, for, for, for New Zealand, sorry, they came in and they contested straight away and actually we ended up winning one of them uh, in about their third year. So this team knows how to adapt to styles quickly and yeah. they're going to be a good team. So it's just, a, I guess, a matter of time until how they actually get that execution. But the fact that after four games they're competing with the team that won the Australian Super Rugby Conference, I can't wait to see their games against New Zealand teams. I think yeah. it's going to be fascinating to watch. I was I was sitting there after the first two games scared, but now I'm fascinated to yep. kind of see what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the the next game now, the Tars took down the Force in a in a close-ish one, but that was to be expected. I think the Force are scrappy enough, but in the end, the the class of the Tars uh, pulled through. And particularly impressive for me were um, the Will Harrison, Will Harrison um, at eight and fifteen, <laughs> uh, 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 respectively. Um, particularly uh, Harrison at fullback was uh, just played really well. Had a great um, put down try, like NRL style, in yep. the corner. Um, Charlie Gamble 
the, the Kiwi uh, at, <laughs> at flanker is amazing. Yep. I think he's really going to be pushing because Hooper and uh, Swinton are both out with injury. So it, he's really making a case for himself that he should be on the field constantly. So many turnovers. Uh Reminding me of a, a Knoxville boy, Connor Hughes, in the in the ruck there, just <laughs> stealing balls, stealing. Yeah, a little annoying little guy, just yeah. uh, ripping balls out when you're not expecting it. And uh, yeah, look, Ben Donaldson is continuing to improve as well. So I think it's it's positive sides for for the Waratahs um, uh, as as they uh, look forward to the rest of the season. I think it's a necessary win. This is a game last year. Well, they did lose these games last year, but it's a game <laughs> last year that. In the crunch times, they would have crumbled, but uh, in this one, they they stuck it out and got the victory. What impressed me most with, with this Waratahs win again, I, I like the Will Harrison. I think the double playmaker works perfectly yeah. for your team because you've got enough impact players elsewhere. Was was the defense? I think that mm. was fantastic. For up until that, you you were in control as soon as you got up to twenty two. I think it was three or twenty two seven, twenty two something like yeah. that. Yeah, because. Um, Mati Ali scored the, the first one, but it was twenty two seven. It never looked like it was out of your control. Like you were like, "You're, we're not going to let you score until yeah. it's too late." And and when they did score, it was like, "Yeah, this is over." Even if they they got the final yeah. three points, I thought I thought the defense was was fantastic. I think that's that's Coleman and that's his way. I thought the um the backup hooker that came on, I've forgotten yeah. his name, although I've mentioned it, I tried to remind myself a hundred times for it. Um, but he was fantastic. He's from Gordon, and I know, I'm, I I know I must um. Coleman must have taken him everywhere because yeah. Coleman had him at Gordon, then Gold- Coleman had him when he was uh, at L- in Los Angeles, and yeah. now he's got him in the Waratahs. And and it's a topic I'm going to bring up just after we talk about the Six Nations, a little bit about Australian rugby. Um, but I thought he was fantastic, and I want to see him more in the squad. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is the, the final scoreline doesn't really reflect the, the, the true story of the game. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, the, the four scored in the end, but it was... Meaningless points because the game was already over by then. Well, not meaningless because they got a bonus point out of it. So it's good. They needed those points. But yeah, look, the Waratahs, they they held their own in this game. They held their nerve. And yeah, as you said, the defense is a really big, big one because against New Zealand teams, that's what you need. You need a good defense. And yeah, and, and 100%. And, and what I'm starting to really like from this Waratahs season is it's, it's not every, it's not a single person doing it every yeah. single game. So it's not. You know, Izzy Parisi has been great for the first year. Fantastic. But had a had a had a not an off game, but just yeah. a, a quiet game. He's so fast, man. A quiet game, but you yeah. step up players around and Will Harrelson, Harrison, um, everything else around the outside. Yep. I think your wings had a better game this week. Yeah, this week as well. Good, Newsom yeah. moved from the back to, to wing, pretty good. Still kept a couple of handling errors. Like I go, yeah. that was that game was probably a quite a scrappy one and a little bit below the level that you guys have been at the past few weeks. But yeah. again, a good way to finish off the Super Rugby round. Obviously, no. Hurricanes just a minor Pacifica during to, uh, due due to COVID, uh, and now Hurricanes game that was there was planned for this Saturday has been moved to Sunday. So I'm assuming they've got enough players coming back that they'll be good to go against the Chiefs this weekend. So we'll move on to that. Actually, we'll, 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 I'll touch base with with what I want yep. to talk on. So I, I did it after round two. I did a form Wallabies team on mm. our Instagram page, and, and I'm going to do it every two weeks because I think if you do it every week, you kind of you got to yep. get form. Sat there and I did it and I was like, there's there's quite a good lot of players. The yep. biggest position of issue I have for the Wallabies at the moment, and we can say 10, but James O'Connor's been doing well enough yep. for me there. I, and I think there's enough players and talent around that. Okay, that's always going to be a, a position of issue. Mm. But the biggest one is the hooker position. Yeah, I haven't been able to nut down on someone. Like there's the uh, the Brumbies hooker and I can't... Monaghan? No, not, no. The, no, no. not him. The, the one that started... Um, I'll have to, once I get his name, I'll, I'll Google it after I'm done making my, my little, my preach. Yeah. But I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. 
him, he's 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 been in the Wallabies selection before everything. So yeah, yeah. I go him, but I go even when I, the way I've seen him, he's a big hooker, and you've got already quite big props. You need a mobile in today's game. I think you either need a a big hooker who can be mobile, and I just don't see him being mobile enough. And I'm like, Pariki's been very good for the the Waratahs, but yeah. I don't think it's he's quite at that level. And I'm just yeah. like, I haven't seen a, a level hooker. That's been able to be there. That's no. that's the position I'm kind of. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think the last few tests the Wallabies have had, the depth at hooker has been sorely tested. 100%. So, um, yeah, no, I fully agree with you there. And lineouts are always so uh, critical. Um, I remember watching the um, the uh, the rugby championship last year, and uh, the the Bledisloe games, especially against New Zealand. Uh, we control we controlled the lineouts really well, and when we lost control of the lineouts a bit, that's when things started to go awry from us. We, we were able to control them quite well in the South African series, and we uh, ended up winning that series. So, yeah, I'm always very concerned with Wallabies lineouts. It's yes. always something that I'm looking at. Like, I can just see something going wrong here. It's just one of those things. Like, it. It haunts me, really, the amount of times that stuff can go wrong 100%. in the lineout, especially for the Wallabies. It just seems to be something that they they struggle with. So the player I was speaking about was Falau Fainga. Mm, now yes. he 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 played well this past week against the Rebels, um, and and I think the week before even against the Waratahs, I think he had a good game. It was definitely against the Waratahs as well. Yeah, I had a good game, and he kind of came back into my head. So yeah, he was the one. But but just to take you through that team, I had Angus Bout one. Have to, have to. He still will be in one this Thursday, come this Thursday. Pariki at two. Tanelia Tupo at three. Again, that was probably more reputation than anything. Fergus Lee Warner from the force, I think, has been a beast at lock, along with Jed Holloway. Rob Valentini, who's taken another step since these two games. I was Mm -hmm. a bit iffy. Uh, Rory Scott at seven, he will be changing. Uh, Fraser McWright has been fantastic, and he'll be making the form team. Harry Wilson's been on top of his game. Nine's another position of a little bit... Issue yeah. because I had Jake Gordon who in the first two weeks was fantastic. Now I'm going back to Nick White. I think will probably make this team, but still I looked around like the nines and I was like, "There's not not a lot I'm Jake, excited about." Uh, Jake Gordon is playing has elevated his play this year compared to last year. I think fortunately missed this game with injury against the Force, but yeah. I definitely think he's he's improving a lot. I think I'd prefer him over Nick White personally. I don't know, just Nick White. I, I feel like he lacks a bit of. Uh, power in his passing, they can wobble or float a little bit. So I'm just uh, he, he can make, he can make some plays, but I'm I'm more I'm more leaning towards um, Jake Gordon. And we saw in the first two weeks, especially that um, Gordon has got this just tremendous playmaking ability individually as well, which I think um, the Wallabies will need. I mean, the, the measuring stick for a Wallabies team is always against the All Blacks, and you yeah. need that when you play the All Blacks. Well, and that, that, a lot of this this form team, I've got, you know, I'll read the rest of it, Andy Muirhead, who's from Brumbies, the, yeah. the outside with the Brumbies outside because they've been fantastic. Yeah. And then Hamish Stewart at 12, Isaiah Parisi at 13. The, the, the question, this form team will come to question when, when we see the Super Rugby teams play New yeah. Zealand Super Rugby teams because that's what I said. I said it's easy for Rob Valentini and, and Tom Banks to be ripping up against Australian Super Rugby teams. They, yeah. They've they shown they can do that. I want to see Rob Valentini run over three 
New Zealand Super Rugby players and and do it and and score a try. That's what I want to see. So I'm I'm interested. I'm going to keep doing this every two weeks. So stay tuned. I've also done an All Blacks one, um, but it's a pretty basic All Blacks one. There's not much I think we need to discuss too. Every much. second name is Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not far off there. Yeah. So yeah. So we uh, we'll do that. Watch out for those every Thursday. But for now, we'll move quickly on to uh, a bit of a recap of the Six Nations. Yeah. So we've gone from Tier One to. Better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the tagline. Yes, yes. The, t- the tagline definitely for uh, what we call the Six Nations. But I must say we have had a couple of really good games. Yeah. France versus Wales. Amazingly tight a tight one for as well as France have been. I, I picked France not to do well in this comp and it's because I thought they would lose these close games. Yeah. They've proven me massively wrong. But again, Wales, Wales have shown fight for a team that doesn't deserve to be 13-9 against mm. a, a, a French time and a chance to just about win it there, t- but France hold on. Chance for a grand slam against opponents, big-time rivals, England next week, which yep. is massive. It'll pretty much decide the comp, you'd say, because Ireland, if they win, they will win the Six Nations. So mm. that France versus England game, I may just about stay up for it because <laughs> I am that interested yeah. to see. I would love, again, I hate both of the teams. I do, <laughs> I do hate both the teams, but I would love to see a France misery. Yep. By losing to the English and the Irish winning. That game happened. Then we jump into the Ireland-England game, 32-15. Now, the big talking point from this one was the red card. I don't know if you've seen footage of the red card. I haven't seen footage of it. I've seen the headlines. I haven't seen the footage. Now, I understand world rugby, and and uh, again, same thing similar happened in the Reds jury game. Three yellow cards within the same play, all given out. They're protecting the players with the ball. You've got to make a decision. Players coming together... Tackler hasn't got low enough, 100%. Okay. It's a head-on-head collision. Yep. He's led with the head is what the, the call is, which he probably has, but you any tackle, you lead with your head, even if it is hard. His responsibility is to go low. I don't see how that's a red card, and I'm sorry, I understand head-to-head contact. If it had been shoulder, 100% he was gone. Yeah. I understand he's got to dip, and that's his responsibility, but when it's a head-to-head contact, I don't think anyone, and I'll say this again, is insane enough to tackle with their own head. Yeah, it's like that's one of the big things with the red card, and we saw it a lot last year uh, with... Uh, uh, not last... Yeah, last year with uh, Corabete in the, in the France game. Is it's, it's, There's got to be that intention there, the intention to... Essentially, you're looking for the intention to recklessly tackle someone or, or you're completely uncaring of their safety in, in your tackling. But you're looking for intention to, to, to tackle poorly. And like you say, I don't think anyone is intentionally looking to butt heads with another player moving as fast as they do. Um, shoulder, yeah, I can see that. I can see that any, even with, with the recklessness, I don't think anyone is recklessly going forward that much with the shoulder where they don't care if their head hits someone else's head. With the shoulder, I can see. I can see players being reckless enough to be just like, I'm just going to hit this idiot with my shoulder. Wherever he gets hit, he gets hit. Absolutely. Head, though, because, yeah, I I just don't see it. Yeah, and I, just to me, it was like, yes, he has to dip there. He has to dip. That's That's his job as a defender to dip. But he hasn't made any contact without his head. So he's obviously dipped enough. And I know there are two tall locks mm. coming together that his shoulder hasn't made contact and it's the head. So I would have gone, yep, yellow card. Red card was harsh. England ha- hung in there for as long as they could. But 14 men down after yeah. 82 seconds is always going to catch you. Yeah, yeah. From Just from fitness, if nothing else. Yeah. Last game of the round, kind of a dull one. 
Didn't really matter. Scotland uh, got past Italy. Yeah. Italy put up a good fight, 33-22. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a country that's known for their fine cooking against a country that's never seen a tomato. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good way to put it. That yeah. was that, and that was the game. Um, yeah. NRL round one. Yeah. All right. We are, we are back back with NRL. Uh, what we're going to do for the podcast point of view, rather than going week by week or game by game, we're going to do a good the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and we have some points that we'll have as my good, my bad, and my ugly for the week. Uh, and then Husey will do the same. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start with my good, bad, and ugly. I'm going to state them all. Husey can start then arguing how bad my points are, and then I'll let Husey have his go and state in his points. Yep. My good. All right, to start off, the good, Canberra Raiders. Now, why do I say it's good? Now, normally as a, just a general NRL supporter, I probably wouldn't be saying that. But I've put a lot, a lot of, of, of my my mouth, I guess, into saying that the Raiders are going to be good this year and Jack Whiten was going to be good. And what did we see? A very good Jack Whiten, yeah. must be said. Very good to start off with. Jack Whiten, very good. Or see, also, Corey Harunara. Yeah, recently re-signed, yeah. Recently re-signed. Also liked my Jack Whiten prediction. So like my photo on Instagram. So oh, thank yes. you, Corey. Um, <laughs> so, yes, so the Raiders then managed to, hold, or managed to come back when last year they would have lost it. You know, last year they had a lot of... Losses from coming from behind, teams chasing them down in the second half, just capitulating. Yeah, look. They got close again. <laughs> look, yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock into it because the day before the game, the Sharks' new head coach just ruled out. They've got new half. They've got a new captain. There's there's so much new with this Sharks team. It's going to be a tall order for them. Um, I thought they would still sneak it, but as soon as I saw that Craig Fitzgibbon wasn't going to be able to be there, I was like, no, nah, that's it. So, yeah, so... The good is obviously the Raiders. I also had the good as the Sharks. I thought that so, was a first. Sorry, I do just want to. I do just want to quickly, uh, not to undermine. I want to agree though that it is a game last year that the Raiders would have found a way to lose. I think that 100%. is deserving of a good. Yes, that and and that 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 is kind of a big good for me for the yeah. Raiders because that's what I kind of said. They're going to win these close games, and they did it. Yeah. What I also think was good was the Sharks' first performance. To have a performance, like you said, yeah. of all the disruptions, you've just made all my points for me about why the Sharks were good because there's so much going on. To lose a game by five points the way they did, yeah. uh, a pretty special play at the end from Hudson Young, there, there was a lot of good to take from the Sharks. That was the first good. Second good, Titans and the Eels, just the game <laughs> in general. Again, I'm yeah. a Titan supporter. Heartbreak still that we lost it. Uh, we'll get to the bad soon. Uh, but a great game, a great show of footy in the first half. Was it Philip Semi that did the Gutherino? Guffo, the, the old Guffo oh, on Guffo. And that, that was amazing. Fantastic. Great catch, great try. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was, those were the two big goods. Again, I think the third good for me is the fact that footy is back. Yes. Just, just having rugby league back, it was yep. fantastic to watch. Some great, great athletes on that football field. Mm -hmm. The bad for Luke. All right, let's start off. Now, the bad, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs played like they were the 15th and 16th team. Yeah. And, Although it was an entertaining game just to watch because they were not that good of teams, I'm, I'm scared that they're going to be 15th and 16th again. Like, yeah. I expected more from the Cowboys. They didn't do much to give me, I guess, an impression that they're going to be better this year. Jason Tomalolo seems to be wasted still. So there's a lot where I'm like, that was a lot of bad. Second bad, Dragons and the Warriors. Now, it's more the Warriors than the Dragons, but that was low-level footy, I thought. For, for, the, for the other games out there, it was low-level footy. Saying that, if you're a Dragons fan, which Husey is, you take anyone, even if it is low-level footy. Yep. Because first week, you can win low-level footy and continue on. So as a Warriors supporter, you know, second team, 
I'm like, that's disgusting because you've yep. lost a bad game. That's not good to take. At least winning a bad game, you can take that. So that that to me was that 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 was again a bad game. The ugly, I've got two uglies as well. Tipping. Anyone who oh, tried to tip God. anything in any yeah. any way, any which way the NRL, no go this week. Broncos. Yeah, I've got I'm in a tipping competition at work. <laughs> and there's this thing called the uh the knockout where every week you you pick one game and that's your lock game. Don't tell me you pick the Roosters. No, no, that's your no, no, that's your lock game. And if you lose it, you're out of the knockout competition. My lock game this week was obviously the Storm versus the Tigers. <laughs> obviously, the Storm were going to roll all over the Tigers. And then I like start watching the score of the game. I'm like, I'm going to get fucking knocked out round one <laughs> on like the most certain of certain things because it just. Yeah, well, I'll get to my why I, I'll get to my thoughts on that in a bit. But yeah, so continue, yes, continue. The tipping ugly, very ugly. Second ugly, the bunker in the Titans versus the Warriors game. Mm. I thought Titans, oh, Titans versus, versus the Eels game. Apologies, apologies. I thought the referee was actually very good. I thought the referee on the field mm. was very good because he made ninety percent of the correct decisions. The captain's challenge, I. I, I like the captain's challenge. I do like the idea of it, that you're able to challenge it. My issue with it is, if it's not 100% clear cut, then you can't be giving it to the, to either team. To the, to the opposite is what my, my thought is. There, there was a really... I agree with you. There's a really good example, though, from the Dragons and Warriors game, where the camera angle couldn't reveal anything. It wasn't enough evidence on the camera shot to give it. So what they did was... The challenge is unsuccessful, but the dragons retained the challenge because the camera couldn't say one way or the other. I think that needs to be used more. I think that needs to be a little bit more liberally used where if it's not certain enough, just be like, okay, we can't 100% say with certainty that we can overrule the call because the camera footage isn't giving us enough here because even if you've got the whole shot in there, but there's just plays in the way, just say that. Yep. So. It's because it's not the captain's fault for challenging something and the cameras haven't picked it up. So 100%. use that a little bit more. I didn't even know that was a thing that could be done. Yeah. That's how rarely it's been used. Yeah, and I think in the situation, I think there was an Aaron Clark strip and a Waka Blake strip, mm. strip. And I was like, both are so similar, yet the Eels got the, the rub of the green on, on, on both of them, that my issue was that it was not clear that it was a strip, but it wasn't clear that it wasn't a strip. So yeah. I've, they had said, Eels, you hold your challenge because we... We, we see an arm in there. We can't yeah. tell if it's a stripping motion. I understand the NRL is trying to get the bunker to make quick decisions, speed the game up. But yep. at some point, there has to be the right decision where, Absolutely. look, we can't tell if that's you don't lose your captain's challenge, but we're going to play what the ref decided on the field. Yeah. The same with the Walker Blake one. It was it was a, a an argument that it was a strip, but we argued. And if, if they had said, okay, Titans, you can keep your captain's challenge, but we're going to play what we saw on the field, which we, we called as a knock-on. Yep. Then you play it, or I think it was even the, the opposite way. So I just go, oh, I just to me it left me frustrated because I felt like the ref had made, and again there was there was enough there where the ref made the right call on the field. We've gone up, and the bunkers confused it a little bit. Yeah. Like, even if it wasn't hundred percent the right call, it was like a it was a 50-50 that could have gone either way. Where we've just then, oh yeah, Captain's Challenge, waste time. Oh yeah, he's looked at it quick enough to go, oh yeah, that was he probably he's probably done a strip of motion. So there was just too many calls like that, and I know Holbrook got angry at it at the end, and I would have probably. I understand why he got angrier, but I think I, from the performance point of view, to have all those calls against go against us and only lose by four points. Yeah, Everyone's bitching and moaning about Moses' goal kick at the end. I don't know if you saw that where he wasted a minute. I don't know what the rules are. I think, I think he's allowed to take 90 seconds. If he's allowed, mm -hmm. then it's in the game. But does it matter? Fuck sportsmanship. Someone was saying, oh, yeah. but it's sportsmanship. 
you take up the 90 yeah. seconds, you do that. It just it was more comical that yeah. it was just the way it was. He was able to look at the clock. Surely the ref goes, you've got until a minute, I'll blow time off, then you kick the goal. Like, we could have done that in a bit of way, better way where he's yeah. like, I'm going to take all the time. Like, as a rugby player, you do. You go, how long have I got ref? How long have I got ref? Something like that. It just yeah. seemed a bit comical. Again, Salty probably Titans fan a little bit, but one of the better games of the round, and I'm not yeah. that angry about the result because it was it was a good enough performance from my Titans to give me hope for this year. Definitely. My good, bad, and uglies. On yeah. to Yeezys. Okay, well, I mean, I've got it right here in front of me. Good for this week. <laughs> Some George Illawarra Dragons winning against the Warriors, who have been a bit of a disruptive force against the Dragons the last couple of years. Traditionally, the Warriors are close to 100% in completion uh, of sets against the Dragons, but the Dragons, what I really liked was they muscled up in defense. They played hard defense, not just at the start of the game, but through all phases of the game. I think a few of the uh, points against us, like the the try where Sloan just left it and then it just sat up, I think that was a bit of a freakish try. I really like what I saw out of Sloan for a kid that's 19 years old. Um, you could definitely see the influence Matt Dufty's had on him where he had a beautiful cutout ball uh, to the wing to, to Cody Ramsey. Just That's Matt Dufty's signature move. Uh, but he also has his own um, ball-playing abilities where uh, there's a couple of times where he just swung it back uh, on the inside for an inside runner to go through. A lot of a lot of positives. And, I, and similar to what you said about the Raiders, this is a game last year the Dragons were lost. The fact that they won it is a really good sign for building the platform for the rest of the year. Uh, there's still more players to, to come back. Ravalawa with his three tries, just insane. Three very good tries. I as thought well. I thought for sure he was going to be leading try scorer. There's no way anyone else could repeat that. <laughs> then the Titans Eels happened. It's just like, <laughs> well, okay. See. So yeah, look, Lomax is getting back to his best form. The younger players are uh stepping up and not making too many silly mistakes. So I think so. there's a lot there. The only issue <laughs> I really had was sort of some of the bench depth, which you know it, Going forward, I think it's going to get a bit better because we're going to get some more players back healthy like Tarek Sims and Burgess and things like that. So, look... Do I, we want to mention him? Do we want to mention him? Surely the, did, the one... Dijewski, how have you pronounced it? His name's not worth me looking up how to pronounce because it was honestly a very poor performance. Not Look, the I think all of our other off-season signings have been fantastic. Embi was fantastic uh, in this game. Aaron Woods was great, although he did suffer an injury. Hopefully it's not anything uh, too long-term. Uh Look, you're gonna you hit on a, a lot of them. Some of them you don't hit so well on. That's fine. We learned from round one. Pack it away now for round two. Let's 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 get sensible here. Sims is back healthy. Let's get him back into the team. He's an origin level player. Melbourne Storm won him, and if for no other reason than to deny him to the Melbourne Storm, you get him on the field. Um, so that was one of my first. That was my first good. Uh, my who, who have you guys got this week? I'm just. I, I I don't know. Oh, I'm still I'm, I'm still celebrating. Okay, so yeah. So here's so, hey. here's, an, here's a test. There's a test. You've, a you've beaten the Warriors, who I don't think were fantastic, but mm. this is this is the only counter argument. Yeah, this is a how do test. you how do you back up that performance? Exactly. Because it wasn't again. It wasn't the best performance. It was a yeah. again a six six and a half out of ten. Yeah. So there's room to improve, which is Definitely. great. But this this this, this will is be a big test. week. Yeah. Big week. Um. Yeah. And then my next good. Uh. Look, you already covered the the Eels and and, and Titans game. I won't go into it too much, but I thought that was a really great attacking footy. But I'm going to go a bit of left of field here, and I, it's got a bit of me uh, eating my own words here. I thought the Tigers actually played really well. They capitalised on 
the chances the Storm gave due to injury and things like that. And so, look, I thought I thought the Tigers team, they're just going to have absolutely nothing going on this year. They're going to be bottom team. But I think I'll be eating my own words by the end of the season um, and that the, the Tigers will do better than expected. So if you're a diehard Tigers fan, God bless you, But first of all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it might be more positive things to come. The bad. All right, well... The two Sydney teams, the Roosters and the the Rabbitohs, the arch rivals, (laughs) both looked utterly hopeless against two teams that I didn't think were going to be that good coming to the season in the Knights and the the Broncos. And still the Roosters found a way to look absolutely shocking against the Knights. And the Rabbitohs looked barely functional against the Broncos. And neither of those were hugely high-scorer games, so it's not as if the other teams romped over the top of them either. So they were always in those in that game, but they just couldn't capitalize on their chances. And I think that is very worrying for those two teams going forward for a round one loss. So the bad to take away from it is that the Bulldogs are currently higher on the ladder than the Sea Eagles, the Roosters, and the Rabbitohs. I'm going to make an argument to this Roosters, the Roosters conversation. And the only, I, I can't really make much for the Ra- Rabbitohs because I don't know too much about the history, but the Roosters, when they won premierships in 2013, 2019, 2020, whenever it was, I think it was mm. those years, all lost the first round of the game. And I remember 2019, I think it was, Cooper Cronk's first year there. Yeah. They lost 10-8 to an underwhelming Tigers team. Like, you never really get an overwhelming yeah. Tigers team. But and I, and I went, this is area of that where they came into the season, they get shocked, they play a little shit, and Trent Robinson slowly finds the best out of them as the season yeah. grows. So... I w- yeah. I, again, I I wouldn't. This is one team I probably wouldn't rule out, and it may be because I've picked them, but it's not t- entirely yeah, on that. Because I don't sure. care. I've picked them, but I couldn't care less. I'm not a Rooster supporter at all. If they finished dead last, like I would probably celebrate that a little bit, just as much as well, not as much as Manly finished dead last. Yeah. But, but you know, like I I wouldn't be bothered if they finished last. But I think this Roosters team played as wor- as bad as they possibly could. It was good for Kerry to get back on the field. They lost Radley. They lost this. I go. It's not a loss that I'm that. That I'm actually more impressed by the the Knights to win it than the yeah. Roosters losing it there, and I think it'll yeah watch out still for the Roosters. That's mm. all I'm saying. Continue on. To all the right. Ugly. The the ugly yeah. So tipping like we <laughs> said, just absolutely horrendous. Uh, I thought I was going to go uh, one for one for eight this weekend. So <laughs> I I look to be honest. I'd be happy to go one from eight if the one I picked was the Dragons winning, and that's what I thought was going to happen. It very nearly did happen, but. Uh, look, I was happy to predict the Bulldogs. Um, look, it was that was an ugly game, and it's a game last year they would have lost. I know we said that a lot about a couple of different teams this year, but that's that's good for the competition, I think, and it's good for Bulldogs uh, fans out there. But yeah, your tipping's not even that bad. You right. you went four from eight. Yeah, yeah, I got I'm terrible. Fir- <laughs> I got the first four wrong. You got the first four. You were looking you were looking bad in bad shape, and even yeah. there was a point there when the Warriors had come back and it was even. Yeah. And then the storm and obviously eels and even Cal. Yeah, all of them. Are I close. look at mine and I feel hard done by. But I, I only went yeah. what one, two. I only got two right. Yeah, I got the Raiders and the Raiders and the Storm. Yeah, that's yeah. So I, I yeah, you've you've come out of a of a terrible tipping yeah, week terrible, on, a, on a good side. Terrible, <laughs> terrible start to it. Yeah, look, uh, but more than the tipping, and this is going to be a big one for a lot of different teams, is the injuries this week. It's just absolutely horrific. So many season-ending injuries in week one. Uh, Christian Welch just... 
the headlines have been heartbreak, and that's that's true. He's a, he's a nice guy, and to have gone through all the injuries he's gone through, and now this as well is horrific for him. Uh, the Eels are down about three different wingers, all on various season-ending injuries as well. Brandon Smith broke his hand. There's just all all over the place. There's just injuries galore piling up and we're only one week into the competition. So Yeah, let me run you through some of the injuries. Obviously, we had Adam Reynolds, a couple others out yep. first round, Jacob Safiti, uh, Victor Radley, Corey Allen, Pat got onto the field, Blake Taffy was a late removal. Yep. Hodson was lucky not to do any any serious damage yeah. out for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then we have the free from the storm, obviously, Brandon Smith, Jennings and Welch. Then we go on to Pengai Jr. being ruled out, Aaron Woods with a hamstring injury, Brimson being ruled out, Sean Russell now with a rib plus lung injury. Yeah. Uh, Watoni Zelizniak is out with a broken thumb. The young uh, Viliami Viela, uh, the young Warrior Centre out, Moses Leota out, and Sean Johnson just na- uh, recently announced out for mm. four weeks as well. So that's a long list yep. of, of, of a pretty high-end players as well. So, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, Warriors look like they may be in a bit of trouble with depth. Uh, but, again, this is going to be a, probably one of the bigger rounds of, of depth question, yep. uh, bigger comps, because COVID's probably going to strike a couple still who haven't had it. Uh, you're still going to get the yep. injuries. So it's going to be a tough, tough year, I think, for a few teams. Definitely. So, yeah, that's my good, bad, and ugly. Main thing to take out of it is the Dragons won. The Dragons currently sitting number three on the, the ladder, so we'll take it. We'll see how they go this week. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that is the NRL. Uh, we will swiftly move on to some massive storylines out of the NFL offseason. It's a uh, look, I didn't, I wore this shirt today before I knew the news. Just kidding. I have NFL insider access. I have this all along. <laughs> this was all planned. Biggest news of the NFL offseason, biggest news probably in NFL history, really, is when you consider the play, is Tom Brady unretiring coming back for another season, and the dominoes have already started to fall with that news with Ryan Jensen re-signing to the Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers are gearing up for another go-around. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chris Godwood side to a one-year deal to keep him place to chase for another ring. Because he's just been franchise-tagged at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so well, yeah. they've got so then they've got him for the for the for one the year, year for the least. year anyway. And I think he'll he'll even yeah. try and just be like, yeah, I'll do a year. And yeah. And so to. they'll yeah they'll they'll work something out there. They'll they'll bring back what they need to bring back. There's a few players on defense that the Steelers have been eyeing that they might choose to stick with the. Um, the Buccaneers for uh, to try and chase another ring, so that is that has a huge effect on the entire NFL offseason, and really the story of this NFL offseason has and will continue to be uh, the quarterback carousel, same as it is almost every other NFL offseason. But this one, we're really seeing um, a huge amount of change in the NFL, more so than any other year, yeah, and talent, yeah. So biggest off-season change has been Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke to the Seattle Seahawks. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. no one cares about Drew Locke. Can, uh, as, as, a, as a bit of an outsider, I saw that trade, and I think as much as Seattle loses the trade because they lose Russell Wilson, don't get me wrong here, I know someone said, like I think Ryan Clark or, or someone in the media mentioned, they have to get at least three first-rounders. I thought the talent they actually brought in and the, the picks they brought in was well done for having a... a, a Unhappy Russell Wilson. Like, yeah. I don't. They were never going to be able to compete just with the roster they had. They were never going to be able to compete. They had to kind of blow it up, I think. And so, yeah. I don't think looking at it now, I'm like, as much as they probably all would love to keep Russell Wilson, what they got out of it, again, it's going to be too low first rounders. But I think Drew Locke, although he won't be a probably a starting quarterback forever, can come in and at least make them 
half decent. I think the first round picks Noah Fant's a good tight end. That was I thought was a under the radar pickup. Like I yeah. I saw it and I was like, as much as they you trade Russell Wilson and you lose a trade, I thought they did well for what what they could have potentially got out in the open market. Yeah, Oops. I guess the Seahawks and I got this from a Seahawks fan as well. The Seahawks are not great drafters and they're not <laughs> great with their picks. Yeah. See the uh, Jamal Adams trade. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I Seahawks are going to have to do a really good job drafting, and lately they haven't done such a good job drafting. So I would actually probably be... I would have been more excited for the Seahawks if they had a new head coach and general manager that were able to do what they wanted with these picks. I am I am interested why Pete Carroll's still around. Yeah. Like what's keeping Pete there? Because... Pete, as old as he is, as a great coach, he's he's got the right to stay there if he wants. But this is going to be a rebuild. Like, yeah, it's, it's maybe not, maybe it's that his is his goal is he can show that I can turn this around in a year or two years and show that we're because he's in a tough division as well. Yeah. Like, surely there's a college job he could just go knocking back, do that for four odd million a year, and just sit yeah. back and go sail off into retirement. Exactly. You know? So yeah, I'm not that excited for Seattle. I think Seahawks fans are rightfully wary about that. Next big QB news is Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, at least uh, he says so for now. Yeah. He says he's agreed to stay there. Who knows with Rodgers? He, he, you know, he's, so it was announced four years, $200 million. And he said that's, that not, he said not, that's not true. So, and that, but he, but that he said he is staying. Doesn't surprise me that, that it's not true because I, I would imagine he's a two-year, $100 million yeah. guy. Like, I don't think he's... Four years, four is, years, a, four is, years is a long time. Yeah. yeah. So he's staying there. So that's setting things a bit. Um, Deshaun Watson's had his... Criminal charges declined to be prosecuted. Um, not proven not guilty or anything like that, despite what Adam Schefter wants to report. <laughs> he's just been declined to be charged, and he's going to be settling those civil cases. few different teams have been reported to be stiffing around him. Um, the Steelers continue to be reported that they're interested in him, despite the general manager saying we're not interested in him. And it's very rare for a general manager to come out, come out and straight say we're not interested in this player, especially from the Steelers' perspective. So... Um, that where they very rarely make concrete statements. Do so you think they're not interested because of the the asking price is going to be too high? No, they or? said the person. His, they said his basically his um his whole personality, his whole culture isn't doesn't what fit that, in with the Steelers. Yeah, because they've they've been through it with with Ben Roethlisberger ten years ago. They saw everything that was attached to that. They know what it's cost them in terms of fans and what it's cost them in terms of reputation. They're not prepared to to do it again. To touch it again. For especially with Ben having just left. Yeah. I don't think they're they're ready. They they want any part of that. Yeah. There were links to the Buccaneers, but now Tom Brady's back, so that's pulled that back. So the next places of interest really are New Orleans and Carolina are two uh, potential landing spots for I, Deshaun Watson here. The Falcons fan I, I went I went I went from you know yesterday and, and a week ago being like, oh, my Falcons may just have a chance in the. In the division this year, too. Yep. Tom Brady, I love the Falcons. I think they tweeted or they posted on Facebook, and it was just, bruh, bruh. Mm. Just a shock. I mean, we, we, we got lucky enough to, to some, again, lucky enough, I feel terrible saying that. Calvin Ridley situation, obviously the gambling and everything that happened there. Now his contract's yep. not on the board. We got lucky there. Saints are still in deep on the contract situation. They're even worse yeah. than us. We've managed to change up Matty Ryan's one a little bit to give us even more cap space. I was... I was hopeful, and now if, if if the Carolina Panthers manage to sign Deshaun Watson, I am going to be just, uh, I don't know, uh, I'll be a bit of a mess. But yes, yeah. still not 100% certain yet, and yeah. I'm sure the Packers, uh, Panthers will give up too much. So. Yeah. 
Then uh, Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Um, look, the Colts straight up have just lost that whole situation there. They've paid multiple high-round draft picks. Look, everyone that's touched Carson Wentz has lost. Let's be real. Okay. I yeah. think, look, there's an argument to be made from an Eagles fan perspective that he got them through the regular season so Nick Foles could carry them to a Super Bowl. Fair enough. You got a ring. Fair enough. But they traded up to get him. They traded a lot of draft capital. The Colts traded a lot of draft capital. So I guess the Eagles kind of made it back there. But the Colts have definitely lost. And to, I've heard even report that the head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, personally apologized to the owner of the Colts, Jim Irsay, for vouching for Carson Wentz from his time at Philadelphia. And clearly, clearly regressed. You watch early Carson Wentz, and there's a reason he got a couple of MVP votes in the year that they won the Super Bowl. Different different animal now. And I, for one, as a Steelers fan, where people were suggesting that maybe Steelers would be a landing spot for him, I'm very glad he's not on the table for us. Um, so, look, I, I, can't, I can't think of a more dysfunctional place for Wentz to have gone than the, than the Washington Commanders. And that just seems like something that's going to be really ugly for the entire year, and the commanders will have a very high draft pick. I yeah, I go. He's a, he's a moderate quarterback, you know, middle yeah. of the pack to low of the pack, you know. Like he did all right stuff in Indianapolis. Probably not going to take you to a Super Bowl. So I, even though the Colts lost, I don't understand the commanders' reasoning behind bringing him in. Is it like a we hope that this may he may show that he can? Well, they didn't. Around. They didn't pay that much, much for, for him. him but I, it's sort of like it's what sort of it's a little bit of a pricey version of what the Steelers have done with Dwayne Haskins, where there's a guy, former high first round draft pick, taking a bit of a punt on whether he can recapture some of his former this, talent or some of the reasons that he was a former high draft pick. Is this going to put him then back a couple of years if, if he goes, no, if he goes moderate, if he, if, say, say they finish mid table for well, this it's, year. It's an improvement. I think I look, I, uh, yeah, I think they he's a good cheap, option for them or middle of the pack option for them at quarterback rather than overpaying someone else like overpaying for a Deshaun Watson or for like a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Kirk Cousins he's a good sort of middle pack option that's not going to cost you too much where you can build a bit more of a roster around it and then draft a draft a quarterback next year maybe and I think so. if there is a coach that can handle all of that it is Ron Rivera yeah. so yeah alright we'll see uh, talking about Kirk Cousins yeah he signed a contract extension uh, again Kirk Cousins Whoever his agent is is just the is yeah. the best in the NFL. <laughs> uh, large amount of guaranteed money. I don't think he played terrible last year. I don't think he played great. I think he's like he's a quarterback that'll get you just to the outside of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and look, Vikings fans are welcome to him. Just I think yeah, yeah I think the, the Vikings couldn't have done any better. Like they the, the situation yeah. they were in, they were like. We're stuck with this, basically, for the, at least, let's see. They, they, they've they got bigger problems than Kirk Cousins, let's be yeah. honest. That wasn't the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year. So I don't think they'll ever win a Super Bowl with them, but I don't. I think they could, if they get stuff right, get to a playoff yeah. again. And they've, got, they've gotten to the playoffs with him. with him, not because of him, yeah. I think is the best way to do it. 100%. So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the table for a team that wants him, um, and then there's quarterbacks in the draft, so there's still a lot of quarterback news to come. But outside of quarterback news... Uh, probably the next biggest off-season non-quarterback move is Khalil Mack being traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't think we've gotten the full details of the trade yet, but obviously it'll cost them uh, a pretty penny. And him teaming up with uh, Joey Bosa is going to be a fierce pass-rushing duo. The AFC West is just gearing up just to be... The, the two Western <laughs> divisions are going to be just two horrific divisions for anyone to play in. Um with the Broncos getting Wilson, 
the Raiders continuing to gear up, signing Max Crosby to an extension. The Chargers beefing up on defense, which I think is very necessary for them, given the shitty decisions they make on offense, going for a fourth down time. You need a really good defense to bail you out there, and they just didn't have that. Uh, and then, um, who else am I? Raiders. Uh, I, I touched on the Raiders. Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, and the Chiefs, Chiefs, are, Chiefs are always <laughs> going to be competitive. Chiefs are, Chiefs are always going to be competitive with Patrick Mahomes at, at QB. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a massive pickup for the Chargers. I think that'll be underrated because yeah. it'll open up just just both sides. And given the age of Mac now, I don't think he doesn't. It, he's not asked. He's going to be asked to do a Von Miller very tight. Yeah, role, and I don't I mean? think he'll. Yeah, I don't think. As I said, I don't think we've got the full details of the trade, but it won't be anywhere near as much as what the Bears... was the second round. Yeah, I don't think so. it's going to be anywhere near what the Bears... And they got a third round back as Yeah, like paid like, for yeah, the no. other year. Which, which I don't think... The Bears, are, I think, made a, a decent decision on yeah. them. They made worse decisions elsewhere, drafting yeah. Mitch Perossi, number three. But I think that was an all-right risk to take on a premium price. And, and, he, and they got to the playoffs with him. With him. Well, and, so. and he was fantastic when they got to the playoffs. Yeah. They, was it just a, a missed field goal that yep. cost them? So, yeah, yeah again... Not not terrible on the in the Bears end, but in the end they probably lose that this trade, especially. But Ch- Chicago need a lot more. Yeah, they they need as much draft capital as they can get to build around Justin Fields. So yes, and then Amari Cooper to the Browns. So essentially trading Odell Beckham for Amari Cooper. Uh, really, Jarvis Landry, uh, he's had permission to look for a trade, or they might adjust his contract. So he's a bit up in the air about what he'll do. I think if they manage to keep him, I think that's really good. Um, look, overall, I think this is a sensible move for both sides. C.D. Lamb needs the room to grow into a number one receiver on the Cowboys. Gallup's just re-signed. Gallup's re-signed for a good chunk of change. Cedric Wilson's not a bad player either. Cooper, his, there's a great quote from Mike Tomlin that I absolutely love, and I think it's such a truism for all sports, in that your best ability is availability. 100%. If you can't get on the field, it doesn't matter how fucking good you are, you, you don't make a difference mm-hmm. because you're not there able to play. Uh, and Cooper just frankly hasn't been there enough for the Cowboys. First couple of years they had him, excellent investment. I think that, I still think that was a good trade for them. Definitely. definitely. And I think that he he fulfilled his role. But I think it's just one of those things where the t- it's run its course. He his time there is over. I don't think he'll be as successful on the Browns. I think there's more to do with the Browns than Cooper. But also he's getting older. How much can he can continue to do? Um, I actually think yeah. he's got a potential for a, a couple of breakout years because I don't think Landry will come back. I think Landry will go elsewhere. And I think her, he's not such the, the diva that is Odell uh, Beckham Jr. Yeah. Because he's, he's battled through those injuries. So I think 100% if he can stay on the field, I think this is going to be... Everyone's kind of laughing and, oh, it's the Browns, you know, the problems with Baker. Yeah. If him and Baker get on the same term and if he can stay on that field, I go... This could really work. Like he is a good receiver. Yeah, they've got enough. They 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 tagged Njoku, so they've got a tight end who can play yeah. there. They've got. I think it'd be decent for sure. I, I just don't think. I don't think he'll be as good as what he was when he first got traded to the Cowboys. I don't think he'll get back to that level because I think Dak is better than Baker. Agreed. 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 So yeah, we'll see how he goes. But got a lot of talking points in the NFL, isn't there? Yeah. There's. Uh, yeah. Look, the the combine happened, and there was some freakish athletes there. I think Jordan Davis is the defensive tackle from Georgia yep, who yep. ran insanely fast 40. <laughs> the the point athleticism. Point seven of a second, no, point zero seven of a second slower than Jerry Rice. Yeah. Like that is it's freakish. <laughs> like, and that's what we're seeing is like increasingly more athletic sportsmen, increasingly more athletic football players. Uh, this year's draft is uh, overloaded with talent at every position bar quarterback, really. And even though there's a couple of players and they're like Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett who have and 
Desmond Ritter in the quarterback who have the potential to to be something. Uh, just probably not day one starters yeah, uh, like a Justin Herbert. Uh, so yeah, look uh, for the Steelers, I'm really torn because that first round pick at twenty, there's potential for a lot of talent to still be left over there, um, including at the quarterback position with Malik Willis, which has been sort of the most popular drafting position for him this offseason has been Steelers taking Willis at 20. But by the same token, there's so many talented offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Steelers in talks with the Eagles about Fletcher Cox potentially, which would be tremendous uh, for the Steelers to have that veteran presence there. Look, there's there's it, it, there's a lot of interesting moves being made this offseason. We're starting to see some re-signings, and the next couple of days we're going to start seeing some big free agent moves starting with the opening of free agency. So... Yeah, look, there's a few, and one of the, you know, we haven't even talked about it because it's been so lost in the shuffle, is Bobby Wagner being released from the Seahawks as well in their big blow-up. So, yeah, look, a lot of news has started to come thick and fast for the, the NFL, and I have it on my phone. It's like 45 days until the draft. So the next 45 days is going to be a constant barrage of free agent signings, trades, pre-draft, um, positionings and things like that. So I think we've, we've interesting time for NFL. We've different. We've said it, and you've said it a hundred times that this might be the most interesting offseason for the yeah. Steelers, but not just the Steelers in general for the whole. Because the draft, there is no guaranteed number one pick. Yeah. There's no. This guy's incredible. That there's just so many, t- so much talent across the board, and not like you said in the quarterback position where a guy's going to probably come in and make a difference. And there's not a lot of teams looking for that quarterback to come in and make a difference. So, yeah. like I've seen Malik Willis on number eight going to the Falcons. I've seen him at twenty. I've seen him. You you will see players going everywhere, and this is going to be the yeah. hardest mock draft to ever mock in your mock drafting life because it's just going to be. It's going to be all over the place. There's so much talent in the cornerback position. There's, oh, it's just there's that Cincinnati lad, the the Ahmed. Source, I think. Is, is oh, the, yeah, Source Gardner. He got Source Gardner, and he has never let a touchdown in. Yeah. Through high school, through college, never let anyone catch a touchdown on him. Plans plans not to do it in the NFL as well, and I'm like, yeah. mate, if you can do that, you'll be pretty special. So, I don't know. There's just so much there that I'm like, my mind is, is blown already. I don't know. It's just, it's unfortunate that my Falcons are in this position where we've got this yeah. cap space that's not going to allow us to do much, but there's just a lot going on in this offseason that I'm like, I'm so excited just yeah. to keep keep watching because it's every day something else comes out. Tom Brady's unretired. Then tomorrow we'll get a trade that'll be announced. And I just think so many teams are looking to do things. Like the, yeah. the Browns making that trade was a trade for them to push up. The, yeah. the Bears making their trade was probably to go, let's rebuild, Seattle rebuild. Like Again, you may not trust in their rebuild, but there's, mm. there's these reasons there's behind it. There. There's plans. And it feels like this is the first time in a while where we've got a team – actually understanding where a lot of teams understanding where they're at and where they can go. Um, Because I think like, again, if if the Panthers make the move for someone like Watson, they're all of a sudden in that conversation of, can they, can they make that, 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 that jump up? You know, it it seems there's a lot of teams there that, that could easily do what the Titans did this year where they don't have to have that superstar quarterback, but they've got enough around them. So hell of an off season still to come. You've just reminded me as well with, um, with, Letting in a touchdown, um, Jalen Ramsey had a good tweet that um, thank God he's unretired. So I hope he can throw his last touchdown. <laughs> and then that prompted someone else, I think Scott Hansen, to tweet: Imagine being the guy who only yesterday <laughs> paid five hundred thousand dollars for Tom Brady's last touchdown ball, yep. which is no longer his last touchdown ball, unless unless something horrific happens. Of course, presumably his last touchdown ball he'll ever throw. Not his last touchdown ball he'll ever throw. So. Feel like a right man <laughs> to put it as my 
British friends would say. <laughs> yes, that is the NFL off-season. We will quickly just touch base on a couple other sports out there. Cricket, Australia versus Pakistan. We can all agree there needs to be some some form of officiating with pitches now. I think... I don't think Pakistan have completely done this on purpose. They, they were probably trying to nullify the Australian quicks, but it's gone too far. Yeah, The Aussies have just batted for two days to score 500 because they've realised, let's just make these bowlers bowl as much as they have to. First first test was, you know, you didn't get full, four full innings. And I think that's, as long as you get four full innings or even four, you know, you know three and a half innings, it's a good enough pitch where you could have done more. The fact that we're not even getting to the, to the fourth innings is, is disgraceful. So... That's a little bit on that. And then the Formula One starting very soon. Mm. Formula One Drive to Survive just dropped for last year, so we'll be watching that very soon. Um, and we will be releasing our predictions or my predictions. I've had I've had so many people recommend from across different friend and work groups recommend that Drive to Survive to me that I'm gonna have to watch it. I don't I, don't follow Formula One, but I'm just gonna have to watch it. I, 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 was, I was on on the inter, on, on the interweb and I was watching some stats and the Formula One from Formula One Drive to Survive first coming out yep. in the US, they sold two hundred seventy thousand tickets. The year after, four hundred thousand tickets. Wow! Their uh, their socials doubled. Their profit jumped eighty six percent. Wow! And they are now from it went from sorry, some, sorry. They now went from something like uh, well, I can't remember the the actual number, but to, they're now getting like seventy million views for every single race. So yeah, it's like that's incredible. It's just it's 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 that pop culture that they're hot yeah. thing at the moment. It's great TV. I understand why they do it now. Um, I know the AFL's just released. Show me the money on Stan, mm. which is a behind the scenes view of agents doing deals for their players in the off season. Apparently, I've heard very good reviews of it. I'm not an AF, AFL fan at all, but shit like that gets me going, and I love to see more like the hard knocks you got. Yeah, I love hard knocks. I'd love to see more of that in like the NRL, yeah. Super Rugby stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'd like to. I, yeah, I think Tigerland. I think there were people that enjoyed it. 100%. It's not necessarily my thing. I'd like to see more of a hard knocks style one where it's the off season, yep. I guess, and they're you know trying to figure out your squad kind of thing. Um, but maybe that's just because I'm used to the hard knocks format. Um, I didn't watch the hard knocks Colts one, but I heard that was very good. Um, I just wasn't particularly interested in the Colts. It was more that it was the Colts than, it, than anything else. Um, yeah, look, behind-the-scenes stuff, as you said, it's just getting so popular these days, and it, bring, it brings the fans in more. Look, something like tennis would be, I think, really interesting following. Imagine oh. a behind-the-scenes thing of Nick Kyrgios, like yeah. how crazy that would be. Or just a year with the, with the ATP. Like, you yeah. know, like the, imagine this year if you had the behind-the-scenes of Novak in yeah. the Australian Open. Wow. Yeah, just following a, a couple of different players. Is, those, those outside sports need it. Like golf, I think, would be fantastic. Yeah. But a little bit of golf in the back end. Uh, what else? What other sports? There's a couple of others you could probably chuck in there that would just be yeah. incredible. Look, the last dance was amazing. So basketball clearly has that in there. Yep. Uh, there's um, there's the ones for like I saw there was a Manchester City one that was done. There's a, been done. a few for the EPL. Oh, hot Spurs, yeah, yeah. So I, so it clearly is a format that is hot right now. That uh, that is becoming a bigger thing. But yeah, so. definitely watch Drive to Survive. Fantastic TV show. Uh, but yes, I will be releasing our, all my predictions, which is our predictions. So yep. I'll tell Husey what I'm doing and this yep. is what we'll be doing. Uh, for who's going to win driver and construct the championships on that. But other than that, a massive week of sport. Yeah, huge and I week. feel like this is going to be us for the next three or four weeks until until that NFL draft odds are yeah. four weeks away. So it's April four, uh, March 14th. Um, so, yeah, what's that? About the end of April is going to be the draft. Yep. And that's we're going to have rugby, rugby league all the way up until that. And then the draft will happen. And then we might we might get a bit of a... 
just the, the NRL and rugby until yeah. after that. But yeah, a lot, a lot over the next four to six weeks of, of news in, in our free main sports, I'd say. Yeah, in our definitely. Free main sports. So thank you for joining us. Potty 12, over and out. Uh, cheers. Goodbye. Bye.